Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. be decided in the United States Senate. Everybody in around America must decide now. Do we want to go backward 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years? The new nominee to be on the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh, wants to take the country back 50 years. My understanding is he will overturn Roe versus Wade, affirm the Dred Scott decision, and rescind statehood for Idaho. Now, that we didn't say who that was. That's Cory Booker. He's a senator. And he's on the Judiciary Committee. He's a Democrat. Uh, and he's probably going to run for president in 2020. So, and methinks perhaps his uh, vigorous uh, denunciation there has something to do with that. Chuck, Back to you. Chuck Schumer is the current leader of the Democrats. He's the minority leader in the Senate. Said that he will fight this nominee with everything he has. And that Democrats need to fight Brett Kavanaugh or pay the price from the base. 
Well, let's talk about Brett Kavanaugh and the base and the politics and the law with Adam J. White, research fellow at the Hoover Institution, director of the Center for the Study of the Administrative State at George Mason University, Santon and Scalia Law School, one of the great institutions of liberty in our country, uh, Adam White. Hello, Adam. How are you, sir? Good, thanks. Good to be here. It's it's always great to talk to you. We want to, we want to get your Kavanaugh-ledge. That's the word we're using today. Kavanaugh-ledge. Hmm. Uh, how scary is this dude? Well, so... A lot of people in Washington and across the country are racing to get their PhDs in Kavanology. <laughs> <laughs> Don't dignify that, yes, Adam. Yes. You're better than that. You are above this. <laughs> but um, but Kavanaugh is a judge I, I and others have been watching very closely throughout his time on the court. I mean, my, as you mentioned uh, very kindly, I run a program called the Center for the Study of the Administrative State. And for the last 10 years, studying the administrative state has involved, in large part, studying the opinions of Judge Brett Kavanaugh, who's been writing really remarkable opinions on the structure of agencies, on the rule of law, on the relationship between courts and agencies, um, on the separation of powers, and so on. And even when his opinions haven't prevailed in his own court, they've often become the stuff of Supreme Court majority opinions, uh, especially you know in the Roberts court. And so I think it's fitting that Kavanaugh is now arriving himself at the Supreme Court because his ideas have been arriving there for years. And obviously, there's been a lot of already, you know, full-throated attacks on him, basically preemptive declarations of total war against him. I think it's a real, obviously an exaggeration, but at the same time, I think it's a reminder of the stakes and the fact that people do on the left recognize that Judge Kavanaugh is going to be a, a thoughtful and forceful advocate for textualist jurisprudence. Which I'm a fan of. I'm. We're also of the belief around here that the uh, the government colossus, the administrative state, is the greatest threat to liberty far beyond China, Russia, etc. Uh, how does he swing on the question of of the administrative state and executive power and that sort of thing? Well, it's not just one question; it's several. Right? There's mm-hmm. the question of how much deference should courts give to administrative agencies. Uh, Kavanaugh has been a, a, a critic of undue deference to the agencies. He thinks the court should do more work to read the law themselves. He's also uh, raised questions about the breadth of powers that Congress gives to agencies. And if nothing else, you know, urging the courts to look skeptical upon agencies claiming that Congress has given them basically unlimited powers. And then finally, he's been, he's been, uh, he's voiced concerns about the structure of agencies. Uh, He wrote an opinion for the DC circuit for a majority opinion declaring the structure of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau un- unconstitutional because of all the forms of independence and its structure. Even when the Supreme Court, or sorry, the D.C. Circuit reheard the case and the, uh, the, 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 the Democratic-heavy uh, majority of the full court reversed Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh's opinion was very widely read and, in fact, was just adopted by the federal district court in Manhattan in a different constitutional challenge to the CFPB. And so Kavanaugh has seen a lot of his influence there, In many ways, those opinions actually reflect his predecessor and mentor, Justice Kennedy, who was very good on those sorts of issues. Um, But I think Kavanaugh will continue on the Supreme Court to grapple with the, uh, the evolution and growth of the administrative state. So we've got to bring up Roe versus Wade, even though I don't want to. But before I get to that, so if I'm looking up, uh, if I'm looking at the Supreme Court, assuming Kavanaugh is going to be on it and the, the nine people involved, what are the uh, the the endpoints of a continuum? Uh, is conservative and liberal the right term to use, or is that wrong? Right and left? How how do you what is the continuum, and where would he fit into it? Well, if Kavanaugh joins the court, I think 
you could call it a continuum, or you really could call it two baskets. Uh, in one basket, you have the Republican, the, the, the judges appointed by Republican presidents, who all are varying shades of textualist or originalist, from Roberts to Thomas. In the other basket is the, the four justices appointed by Democrats, who uh, they, they, they often say they begin with the text, but they have a much more... Uh, uh, will it, they have much more willingness to embrace what's often called the living constitution, the idea that constitutional rights as enforced by the courts can change, grow, and expand over time. Within that first group, the conservatives, you have different flavor. That really is a, a spectrum, I'd say, of textualists. On, at one end, I would put Justice Thomas, who is the, the most sort of rigorous or, or consistent textualist in that he'll follow the constitution's original meaning all the way over precedents that he thinks should be overturned. He really has the least patience for precedents he thinks were just wrongly decided. At the other end of the spectrum is probably Chief Justice Roberts, who as the Chief Justice necessarily takes a more institutional view, and is probably of the five on the court on the court's conservative side, the one most uh, attuned to the need to maintain precedent. So it's that balance between original meaning and precedent that's going to be so interesting for the five conservative justices. Mm. So, listen, uh, I'm going to dumb it down. What are the chances Kavanaugh gets on there and they immediately convene and uh, overturn Roe versus Wade, or eventually, or weaken it, because people want to know. Front page of USA Today, a world without Roe versus Wade. Oh, come on. Well, I don't know. Well, let's ask Adam White of the Hoover Institution, Adam. Uh, it's just fine. What, what would a what would a world without Roe versus Wade look like? It would be a world in which the states themselves decide how much protection to give. Often, the state supreme courts giving the same or more protection than Roe v. Wade already gives. I mean, to answer your sort of timing question, Roe v. Wade won't. The core right of Roe v. Wade won't be overturned overturned anytime soon, and may never be overturned. I'm still not convinced. It's going to take a lot of political and cultural change for that to happen. But here's what's going to happen first. Some states are going to pass. If it, some states, we saw this in Iowa, my home state, where they just passed some new regulations on abortion. When states pass new regulations on abortion, the first thing that challengers are going to want to try to do is sue in state court, not federal court. They'll want to sue in state court under the state constitution, saying the state constitution blocks this. The reason why they'll, why they'll do that and why the challengers are doing it in Iowa is because if you win in your state Supreme Court under your state constitution, the case doesn't go to the U.S. Supreme Court. So the first thing that has to happen is a case where a state passes a law that the challengers decide can't successfully be challenged on their own, under their own state constitution. And then they have to start pursuing it in federal court. And it has to go through three layers of federal review in the courts. It has to continue to be focused on the core right of abortion. There's no sort of side, side exit for the case. Then it gets to the Supreme Court, which has to decide not just the Roe v. Wade issue, but the, but the, you know, the, the, the stare decisis, the precedent issue whether even a wrong precedent should be maintained for the sake of stability and predictability. Mm. That's a long answer to a short question, but the short answer to it is, if Roe v. Wade is ever challenged directly, it will be many years from now, and the country is going to have to change significantly politically and culturally before the justices even begin to grab so with to, to it. So to, I'll say it, and then you tell me whether this is right. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it's unlikely it will be challenged anytime soon, and it would be extraordinary even if... You know, if it did get overturned. Right. Okay. Well, then, all, right. all right. And that's what everybody says who's being honest. 
Uh, on a lighter note, Adam, how hilarious is it that during the confirmation hearings, all these uh, would-be Supreme Court justices have to pretend that they don't really have an opinion on these cases? Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade. I think about, right. I, I heard about that one in you, law school, you but came I don't up, recall you came the up through high school right. and college <laughs> and law, and you're interested in the law, but you never read about the most controversial case in America. Well, maybe they were doing interesting things like playing sports or something. Right, you right, know, exactly. I'll, I'll say that it's a, it's a delicate balance, right? We don't want to live in a – I don't want to live in a country where Supreme Court justices get nominated and confirmed sure. by making promises on a checklist of specific cases. And certainly on not on hand. one specific case. That would be crazy. Right. And so, you know, they have to they – have, they have, especially a sit, somebody who's already on the court. Kavanaugh, no matter what happens in this nomination, is a federal judge. And so he does have to be careful under the basic rules of judicial ethics to not prejudge issues publicly. And so it's frustrating, and I, I, I think that Elena Kagan was right. Before she was a justice, she wrote a law review article saying that the confirmation hearings are in some ways sort of a, a, a ridiculous kabuki dance. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Right. But it's a difficult balance to strike. And then Kagan then famously said after she was nominated, she said, well, maybe there is something to be said for reticence during a confirmation Well, hearing. so did we asked uh, one of our other lawyer friends, Tim the Lawyer, this uh, a week or so ago. and The eminent constitutional scholar Tim Sandifer. And um, yeah. so I was thinking that back in the day when we would uh, confirm these Supreme Court justices, you know, 100 to nothing or 98 to 2 or whatever, that that was, that was better somehow. Then when it's just clear down party lines, but but Tim seemed to he liked the the battle. He liked the uh, the battling over the ideas as opposed to just going along. How do you feel about that? Well, you know, I think the person who put it best is Justice Scalia. Uh, ironically, in in his dissent in the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case that affirmed uh, reaffirmed Roe v. Wade in '92, Scalia said in his dissent that decisions like this, where the court is making value judgments on behalf of the country are precisely the reason why Supreme Court confirmation hearings have become explosive and will continue to be explosive. Confirmation hearings are going to be explosive so long as the court's work involves making these value judgments uh, on behalf of or in the place of uh, of the American public. Mm. It's unavoidable. And so the stakes are so high, these appointments are lifetime appointments. These are things worth fighting for, whichever side you're on. Now, they're not worth character assassination, and I, I really do worry that this nomination, given the stakes, is going to be the most poisonous confirmation uh, hearing process we've ever seen. Really? What do you um, picture? We, what do you picture happening? I don't know yet. Uh, but you think about this: at any moment in history, this was going to be the most controversial sure. nomination we've ever seen because it's Kennedy being replaced and you Trump's involved. Right. And you, you take that and you parachute that nomination into the, what's really the most poisonous political year we've seen in a long, long time. I just don't think we know what that adds up to. Last night, there were protests in front of the Supreme Court that with sitting senators that were so loud and so vocal that a Fox News host felt unsafe broadcasting from the site and had to move inside. That's just the beginning of it. I think anybody who tries to predict how bad this process is about to get should probably uh, should probably increase their expectations. However bad you think it is, it'll probably be worse. Wow. I think I think it will be character assassination of the sort that we should be ashamed of as a nation for decades to come. And and it's entirely possible we'd have seen something similar 
uh, if Merrick Garland were indeed have been nominated. Um, and it's 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 just disgusting. Yeah, to me. You, yeah, you're right. You're right. You probably would have been the same thing. Uh, Adam White is a research fellow at the Hoover Institution. Uh, Adam, the other point I want to make, and my credentials are fairly similar to yours in that I almost went to law school. <laughs> um, you know, the other part of uh, my disagreement with Tim Sandifer on the confirmation process. Oh, my God, look how late we are. Oh, well, um, th- th- my my point of contention with him is, number one, he underestimates the uh, propensity for politicians and people to just take a single sentence or a phrase, blow it wildly out of proportion, and use that tiny bit of truth to to obfuscate the truth, to cloud the truth. Um, and, and it just it would get so ugly. And the other thing is, and I know this from reading bunches of, of uh, decisions, so often the decision is so subtle or it doesn't mean what you think it means or it mm-hmm. has to do with standing or whatever. The idea of telling you how I would rule on a case or even giving you a vague idea might be as misleading as it is, you know, leading. Yeah, that's right. Uh, legal decisions, legal arguments are hyper technical. They are. Oftentimes, they are semantic word fights where lawyers get paid by the hour to, to, to have word fights. But if nothing else, to be extremely precise and to specify a very narrow issue and be careful about what, what else they reach, that is basically the worst kind of document to put before uh, a, a heated political audience. Yeah, yeah well, so, so then my argument is... The, the, you know, voting them in 98 to nothing was better than having these stupid argument. We're not having good, you know, uh, discussions all across America about core issues. That's not happening. No. Well, let me, let me let, I mean, I know, I know we're running late on time, but let me, let me put in a, a, a good word for all this. I just said how bad the process is at its worst. We're also going to see the process at its best. We're going to be arguing about first principles of the Constitution, about what it means to have a Constitution and a rule of law. We're going to have arguments about precedents. We're even going to have arguments about precedent itself and what that means in the rule of law. These confirmation hearings are sometimes politics at its worst, but they're also politics at its best, and we ought to celebrate the good side of it, even while we lament the bad side of it. And on that note, Adam J. White, Research Fellow for the Hoover Institution, uh, thank you so much for your time. We have to have you back on, and we'll talk about Kilo versus City of New London for like an hour and a half. Oh, great. Kilo. Theology. I look forward to it. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it. Yeah, I like lamenting the bad things. That's what I do for a living. You're a lamenter. I am from way back. <laughs> Our text line 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the of nation. The nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I propose this. The city allows for licensed masseurs to give genital massages if the masseur and the client both agree to it. We let someone get naked and have every other part of their body touched and rubbed by a massage therapist. That would truly be a happy ending for everyone. Wow. Thank you. Is that Good Kavanaugh? closing line. <laughs> that was Kavanaugh in front of the right. Circuit Court of Appeals. In the case of the people versus penis. So what, <laughs> so what was that?
that we just heard. That was a young man being active and engaged in his local poli- political scene. Good for him. Admirable. Uh, yeah. Going to his city council where any citizen gets a two-minute spiel. I know. I've done it myself recently. To go up and, and get, really get what's on their mind, and he chose to focus on happy endings at massage parlors for his, his cause. He says that m- m- the masseuse can rub on any other part of you. Right. Why not your genitals? Mm-hmm. It's a reasonable argument. If two consenting adults can come to this well, sort of agreement. I, I understand that point so, of view. So this Thomas Paine of our time, where was he <laughs> arguing? Do you know uh, where they came from? Uh, uh, no, I can find He out. sounds like the sort of gent that... Thomas Paynes. <laughs> wow. oh. oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I, I, How did we go oh, from yeah. Adam White explaining the makeup of the Supreme Court to that joke? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't, don't you just put on some Crocs? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I'm sorry. Wow. By the way, we got this text about Crocs. You know the joke about Crocs, those little holes? That's where your dignity leaks out. <laughs> no, so back to this guy. Yes. Um, he sounds like the sort of dude that probably does have to pay to get his genitals rubbed. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, it's unfortunate, but... Yeah. Lawrence, Kansas was where this uh, this oh, gentleman was. Home that's of a, Kansas University? I, I spent a, a rough semester there myself. In uh, grad school for a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, for a cup of coffee. That's when I was sleeping in a room using my shoes for a pillow. Oh, oh boy, were so. they Crocs? <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway. A little down on my luck. Speaking of people's body parts, we'll have uh, Gretchen Carlson, the new head of the uh, Miss America contest, explaining why they've canceled the swimsuit competition, and 22 state directors have called for the resignation of the entire board of directors. Uh, that controversy that's gripped America coming up. It's and really we'll, our cave children, that story. <laughs> what everybody's talking about. It's our cave children. Um, and we'll continue to do a, somebody sent a word I want to use, cavanoscopy <laughs> on the president's choice. I'm nice. <laughs> I'm going to leave if you guys keep this up. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. I like that one. Plus, this story from Merry Old England. Meghan Markle commits another royal faux pas as she is spotted crossing her legs again during a church service. Oh, not allowed and to do that? Apparently, you're not supposed to. You're supposed to sit there with them splayed open or what? <laughs> you're supposed to cross them at the ankles, not the oh, knees. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Whore. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, Democrats promising a battle royale over President Trump's Supreme Court nominee. Yeah, no, you're not. GOP Congressman Jim Jordan's battling against allegations. He knew a team doctor was molesting athletes during the time he yeah, was a wrestling coach. So irresponsible. We gotta talk about that. And by the way, Adam White, our guest, said he yep. thinks this the Supreme Court battle is going to be the nastiest thing we've seen yep. in a long, long time. Great. So, stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. So, our guest, Adam White, a few minutes ago, who doesn't strike me as a guy who's prone to hyperbole. I mean, he's not like a cable news... You know, get people all excited type saying this is going to be as toxic yeah. a battle as we've seen in Washington, D.C. in quite some time. Oh, I agree with him completely because they're I, the still... only thing Democrats have is character assassination. And and the air, the air is rife with you're a bad person if you disagree with me. It's that we're in a toxic culture. Yeah, they're getting screamed at at restaurants and all that sort of stuff. So. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, and how about, you know, 
middle-aged suburban people trying to go to a Trump rally in San Jose and getting beaten down with the approval of the mayor. That's a pretty toxic time to be living in. Yeah. I mean, it's not 1968. I'm not but, one of those uh, chicken little types, but it's ugly. Want, I don't want to use up all Marshall's time, but what I don't understand... Okay, so if you found a way to scare right. off two Republicans, or one, I guess, is all it would take... Um, to stop the nomination, so he nominates another person who's almost exactly the same. And then another one, and another one, another one. It's it's you know it's like virtue signaling. It's keeping the base fired up, and I get it. Because what's the alternative? Saying he's a reasonable guy, uh, Trump would just nominate another one of them. There's no point. Well, that's what somebody they were saying, would primary right. him and scream and say, "I'm willing to fight." But the <laughs> consensus on Brian Williams last night and on Morning Joe this morning on MSNBC, where they're looking for any reason. To, to say Trump's Hitler. Their consensus was this is a perfectly acceptable guy, yeah. is Kavanaugh. He's a slightly right guy in a way that Merrick Garland was a slightly left guy or somewhat left. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I could easily see Brian Williams and Morning Joe coming around to the party line and realizing they'd made a mistake in being hmm, so reasonable. Because reasonable know. doesn't sell. News now at Marsha Phillips. Well, along those lines, Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer is slamming President Trump's pick for the U.S. Supreme Court. Trump choosing Federal Appeals Court Judge Brett Kavanaugh. On the Senate floor, Schumer was arguing that Kavanaugh will vote to overturn women's reproductive health care rights. Everyone ought to understand what it means for the freedom of women to make their own health care decisions. And for the protection for Americans with pre-existing conditions, those rights will be gravely threatened. Reproductive health care rights like uh, ovarian cancer or yeast infection or what? What are we talking about, Marshall? So, uh, and why do we pretend we're not talking about abortion? So here's uh, Tom Goldstein, uh, Harvard, Stanford, argued before the Supreme Court. This is his opinion, having just heard what Chuck Schumer said. Here we go. In making this choice, the president knows there are 300-some-odd opinions out there, every word of it, which can now be poured over. That's exactly right. But what is really important is that they studied all the words that involved abortion, affirmative action and gay rights and came to the conclusion that he hadn't written anything that would create a real opportunity to block him. So there you go. What's Chuck Chuck Schumer talking about? Well, right. It will be ridiculous, but it will be. I mean, I can claim right now on the air, I am 11 feet tall and can speak 14 languages. And I can claim that uh, Brett Kavanaugh will overturn Roe versus Wade the first chance he gets, probably within six months, and probably execute any woman who seeks an abortion. I can freaking say anything. And you're going to see the Cory Bookers and Chuck Schumers of the world saying some stuff that is truly irresponsible. Practically guaranteed. Meanwhile, there was backlash on the streets of D.C. after Trump oh, nominated the judge. I got a pre- we got a press release. It was forwarded to yeah. us that it was accidentally sent out that the Women's Something or Other Act- Action League is shocked and, 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 and angered and opposes XXXXX. They hadn't filled in the name yet. And they accidentally sent it out without changing that. So anyway, keep that in mind. Well, i got to tell you, these protesters knew the name. Hey, hey! Ho, ho! Kavanaugh has got to go! Hey, hey! Ho, ho! Kavanaugh has got to go! There you go! 
Well, if they would do a thorough cavanoscopy, they'd realize, as that uh, previous gent said, you search his opinions and you can't come up with anything. At that rally, Senator Bernie Sanders was certainly fired up and firing up the crowd. Look, I am not going to kid anybody. This is a tough fight, but it is a fight that we can win. But then, again, it would just be a gesture, right? Because Trump would then nominate somebody different who's almost exactly the same as this dude, almost certainly went to the same college. Right. Um, But it would be a win to show the base that we're fighting for you. In a a story that started really bubbling up last week, we've got former wrestling coaches at Ohio State University now standing up for Republican Congressman Jim Jordan as he fends off accusations he ignored allegations of sexual abuse by an ex-team doctor. The Ohio Republican was an assistant wrestling coach at the university at the time when some former wrestlers say they were abused by the team doctor. Former head wrestling coach Russ Helkinson and five assistant coaches say it is absolutely wrong to say that Jordan knew about any alleged abuse by the team doctor at the time, Richard Strauss. At least seven of the wrestlers have said in recent days Jordan had to have known of the abuse based on many group conversations at the time, but again, Jordan denies the claim. This whole thing is so overblown. He was, at the time, uh, he had just graduated and was brought as like a grad assistant. And these guys were his age and everything. He was so far down the totem pole of the coaching staff. And apparently, because of a university decision, the wrestling team trained in a public facility or a facility that could be used by anybody at the university, affiliated with the university, who bought a pass, whatever. And pervs would come into the sauna because they knew the naked wrestlers would be in there or the the training field, the locker room. And and so the coaching staff was constantly kicking perverts out who just came to look at naked wrestling dudes. (laughs) And there was that atmosphere and that was a known quantity and they were trying to do it. The team doctor thing I'm less familiar with, but Jim Jordan was... it's a, to to say that now decades later he as a 22 year old bore some sort of responsibility for rooting this out and changing it and getting to the bottom of it it's just it's disingenuous the reason this story is getting attention it is his name is being thrown around to replace Paul Ryan as right. speaker of the house um I, I don't know a couple a couple of the wrestlers that are making the claims they sound incredibly believable yep. but then you got other people other wrestlers just say, no, that didn't happen at all. Who also sound believable. Well, so. and or that Jim Jordan had no real role in it. it. You know, is it possible that he was part of conversations about, yeah, God dang it, there's always dudes around here staring at my junk and somebody ought to do something about it. And I think the doctor may be, you know, in the parlance of the time, a queer or something like that. And he was part of those discussions. Maybe he forgot about it, or maybe he thinks, oh, man, this is politically dangerous. Maybe yeah. he's lying about it right now, lying about it. But the idea that he should have rooted it out and done something is just disingenuous. If, if Bernie Sanders, decades ago, had been some 22-year-old library assistant, and there was something hinky going on in the library at some university, I wouldn't hold him responsible for not ending it. I mean, it's just well, unrealistic. I got, a, I got a good example here I think it's kind of interesting yeah. for the whole hashtag me too thing when you start going back many years. Although it's your story, so I'm not... I can't tell your story without written permission. My story? Your mailman when you were a kid. Oh, yeah. Friend. Yeah, sure, so, go ahead. But Marvin the mailman. So you have said that it was pretty much open knowledge that the mailman you had around there was a... He a was child. a child toucher. Yeah. So, 
could somebody come forward now who was a victim of, you know, molestation of a child, horrifying crime, and say, look, you all knew about it and didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was Whereas a very, for, very different time. For whatever yeah. reason, back then, you didn't do anything. You just said, stay away from that guy as a child molester. Right. If, if your mailman wanted to lift up your little girl's sundress, you'd just keep her away from him. You wouldn't launch a big deal. I know that sounds sounds crazy probably to some of our younger listeners, but... It, does, it sounds crazy by today's standards. Oh, I know absolutely. it does. Yeah. It, absolutely, it sounds crazy to me. But having lived the same era you did, it's perfectly yeah. believable for them. So right. I'm just wondering if maybe a similar thing happened here with Jim Jordan right. where... Uh, you know, just at the time, it didn't see, yeah, people made jokes, you know, so watch out for the doctor, he's, you know, he's India. Or right. Yeah, when he was right. checking me for hernia, he wouldn't let go. Well, it's not know? a surprise, we all know he... Right, yeah, so... Anyway. I don't know. Any, any, all is fair in, in love, war, and politics, though, to the point of making you want to vomit. There you go, that's a wrap, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Ring the bell. That's the Liberty Bell, people. Not just any bell. Wow. Are we going to continue our cabinoscopy, or are we done? Eh, maybe later. Yeah. We need to get to the bottom of the controversy that script America. Should Miss America uh, trot around in a bikini and high heels or not? They've eliminated the swimsuit portion. They're now just going to wear leather pants and Crocs. <laughs> and they've made the evening gown part optional. They can be naked? No, 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 no. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Walk us through the, the process of eliminating the swimsuit competition and also changing the evening gown, making it optional in some ways. Yes, so thank you for asking about that because there was a lot of misinformation about the evening gown category. And basically, it's been in the past couple of years that candidates had the choice of wearing something different. So we were just retelling that to candidates that, look, you know, wear whatever you feel most self-confident in and the way in which you feel the most glamorous and the most sassy and, um, you know, the most self-confident to come out on stage. So we're just giving them a choice with that. And the swimsuit competition will be instead replaced with something that's more substantive about the candidate so that the viewing audience uh, watching on ABC can okay. learn more about the individual and okay. why they might actually right. be the best person for the job. Good that's right. That. Good luck with that. The best person for the job oh. of Miss America. There you go. So that's Gretchen Carlson, Carlson, formerly of Fox. She got felt up by Roger Ailes or something. Mm, right. Happened? Yes. Not her fault. It's his fault. Certainly. But anyway, she was a Miss America. That's right. And now she's on the board. A bunch of people have quit. Yeah, she's the chairwoman of the board. Well, and she and the board decided unanimously uh, to allow uh, to eliminate the swimsuit competition and to wear whatever outfit they want during the uh, evening wear portion. Okay, so if you it, right instead of just evening, wear. I, I well, Miss the whole Miss America is a stupid. The whole thing is stupid. Now, the I'm fact, not sure I understand <laughs> what you're saying. The fact that anybody was doing an interview about their new rules is hilarious but um uh if you if you make it just you know a bunch of like 
19-year-olds in khakis and a polo shirt explaining how they uh, served meals to the old folks on the weekends and they should get a scholarship. That's nice, and that's better than Miss America, but ain't nobody going to watch it as a TV show. Well, how will you know who's the best person for the job? The job of... Well, so representatives from 22 state pageants have signed a petition calling for the resignation of the entire board, including uh, Gretchen Carlson. For eliminating the swimsuit competition and making the uh, evening gown uh, okay, optional. I think it's I think women walking around in bikinis and high heels on TV for entertainment is stupid. But <sighs> please, and if you watch it, you're Mr. stupid. Highbrow. If you watch it, you're stupid. What? But, the human body is it's God's greatest work of art. But if you're running this show, you got to go the other direction, not the eliminate the swimsuit and make it more about the scholarship. Unless you want the show to go away. If you want the show to be popular, you got to eliminate the scholarship crap and make it more about the how hot they are part. If you just want to make it a TV show with ratings, it's dumb. Again, if you watch it, you're stupid. Wow, wow. That is hurtful to a great American tradition, Jack. And I uh, I cannot join you in that. Uh, and please, please, great, please. Great, you can play the flute. Let's eliminate the musical instrument thing. And now you got to wear a cowboy hat and chaps. Look, it's a hot chick playing a flute. Um, <laughs> just please, please don't take away the, if you were the president, right. how would you conquer world hunger? <laughs> you well, have, you have 20 I, seconds. do we have some sort of appropriate music <laughs> playing in the background? Well, I would first of all ask who's hungry and then, then find food Woo! for them so they could eat it. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> Yeah! Find food for them so they can eat it. Right? Please don't eliminate that. If you had a soccer team down in a mine shaft, <laughs> what would you do? You know, the idea of eliminating the swimsuit competition is ironic since that's how it began. In what was it, 1922, well, uh, Atlantic City? The, the... It was a swimsuit competition. You got a couple of kind of funny-looking gals. They look like a UPS box on a couple of legs of spindly and funky wearing their, their uh, what, what do you call it? Not the bobber. The, the, what was the, the, style of the, the style of the time? I don't know much about the uh, histiography of women's bikinis. What, what, oh, oh, my God, there are no bikinis. And what, what am I looking for? Flappers. They're looking with their funky flapper uh, one pieces. and So it started as a swimsuit competition. Like an egg well, it was a pair of spindly legs. Its original sponsor, I believe, was either like a soap company or a lotion thing and the sure. whole point was to show off beautiful skin well yeah. right so then during the you know women's lib movement they had to throw in a little scholarship stuff to justify the stupidity right. of women walking around in bikinis well i would say baseness not stupidity and now those are different things and now they think they're going to take it even further down the scholarship road okay <laughs> that's fine you know have that but it's not going to be on television that's which is fine by you know the way. it's funny little d uh your your khakis and and polo shirts thing that's exactly what little d is doing this summer for a university and the interview process was kind of like gretchen carlson is describing you know they're they're interviewed at length and asked to talk about this that and the other they're given a fairly significant responsibility for the university um and it's very cool and i'm very proud of her that she's doing him doing it but ain't nobody gonna watch that process well right that's what i'm saying i just you know i just like to be honest i like everyone to be honest yeah, good luck with that. You won, Boring. Gretchen Carlson. You won because you were hot in a bikini. That had that was a giant portion of why you were Miss America. And then she went on to host a midday show for stupid people. I mean, that show was unwatchable. How about that, huh? 
That show, oh, it was now that's terrible. some harsh talk. I'm sorry, it was that awful. I will not engage in. Well, well all right then. Uh, let's see. The uh, Carlson-led revamp comes after a December scandal in which emails surfaced showing then-CEO Sam Haskell and others mocked winners' intelligence, looks, and sex lives. The, public, uh, the published messages showed offensive language uh, used in 2013 to describe Miss America Mallory Hagan, describing her as fat and gross in one note and joking about sleeping with her in another. Oh, oh that's not cool. Um, but no, we, indeed. We glossed over your favorite part of what Gretchen Carlson said, is that we need to find the best woman for the job. And again, right. what is the job exactly? Showing up to a new mall and cutting the ribbon with the mayor. Fat and gross. Well, there was that part about finding food and giving it to hungry people or something, right? Didn't they yeah. talk about that? That brought a tear to my eye. I mean, because there was always that hilarious, the first runner-up, if the winner is not able to fulfill their duties. What duties? <laughs> Here's one quote from the emails. Mallory's preparing for a new career as a blimp in the Macy's Thanksgiving Parade. Oof! Oh. That ain't cool. No, that's not cool at all. That, 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 that was never cool ever, and certainly not now. Bring on the khakis and polo shirts. I agree. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.